If you do not know me, I am Greg Reed. I've been a friend of Pastor Matt's for many years. I love him. I love him just like my own sons. And he's an awesome young man, and I'm thankful that he called and asked me to, or he did not call, if you know Matt, he texted and asked me if I could speak today. For that, I'm thankful. He also said that there wouldn't be notes, and I said, that's great. Because when there's not notes, I get to be at liberty and not follow along, and I don't have to get them in the right order. So bear with me, okay? Also, I get to speak this morning from my favorite chapter in the entire Bible. Romans 8 is, has, has been my lifeline for many, many years, ever since I discovered it. It is full of wonderful spiritual blessings and truths. Now, I will tell you this. We did take 17 verses as a text, but I also want to share with you this is not a complete study. This is more like a movie trailer where you get 1% to 2% of the movie, and then you've got to decide if you want to go deeper in it, if you want to uncover it more, or if you want to go buy the ticket to the theater and watch it yourself. So all I'm going to do is give you some highlights, and if it works for you, dig in deeper and get it, because it has kept me afloat. Most of the time, it has kept me in the straight and narrow way, even though being a human and having a human nature, there are times that we all stray. Just like the Word of God says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And I used to think that when I got old, I wouldn't have trouble with sin anymore. That's wrong. The older you get, you will still have trouble with sin in your life. So we have to learn to deal with it. And that's why we're using this scripture this morning. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to call it walking and living in the Spirit. Jesus provided a way for us. And in that provision, he gives unto us the Holy Spirit. He said in his own words, he said, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you the Comforter. And it's that Comforter that is the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, when you're struggling, you need comfort. These last two years have been very difficult years for all of us. We've all struggled. We've all dealt with issues we did not want to deal with. You know, I'm almost 70 years old, and I have never been through a pandemic in my life. So I know all of you are younger than me, and you haven't been through one either. And I'm glad for that. But God says he will give us a comforter. We're going to read through uh, the text one more time, and we're going to stop and hesitate and talk about it just for a minute. I like the way it starts out. There is therefore now. Let's stop right there. Now is a very important word because it's in the now that we really need this provision. Now, it may have been sins that you experienced 30, 40, 50 years ago, but it may be sin that you're struggling with now. And God wants you to know that there is therefore now no condemnation. There is no condemnation. We're living in a culture that is full of condemnation. Somebody say that's right. 
we are living with what is called cancel culture, and all that is is condemnation. If you don't believe the way I believe, I will condemn you and put you in your place, and then that just eliminates your influence in my life. But God said there is therefore now no condemnation. But that's just the first part. He goes on and says, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nobody today wants to be condemned. They all want to be justified for their thoughts, their feelings, their actions, and get away with what they want to get away with. But my friend, the key word here is that they are in Christ Jesus. We need to be in Christ Jesus. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Everybody say new creature. Isn't it great that we can have a new beginning in Christ? It's great that we can lean upon Christ. It's great that God provided a way by the shedding of his son's blood that we could have our sins washed away and experience what it means to have no condemnation. The next verse says, For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There are laws in this world, and many of us are law keepers and rule keepers, and many of us are law breakers and rebels. Some don't point at anybody. You know who you, you know who you are. Having been a young man many years ago, I always tried to see how far I could push that line or push that envelope. And I know some of you probably did too. And you don't have to be a boy to do that. I know some girls that did that. But God said, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. He set us free from the laws of sin and death by coming in our place for our sin. He says it right there. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. God said, be ye holy for I am holy. I don't believe that's a suggestion. I don't think that's just, I hope you'll follow the lead on this. I do believe that God wants us to be holy. The only way that we can be holy is if we come to God, give him our sin, and he in turn gives us his righteousness, and then we can have our sins washed away. The word justification means just as if you had no sin. And that's what happens when you come to Christ Jesus. And that's what's meant here when he says, By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. goes on to say, Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Now there's been a few times in my life that I've been in areas that I would consider hostile. Now, I have never been in the service. I tried to enlist, and they said there were physical limitations that I could not enlist in the service. But that's not the only place there's hostile environments. 
I was trying to round up some cows one day, and they were longhorn cows, and their horns were larger than my span. And we had two of the cows loaded, and the third one looked at me, looked at the tip of his horn and pawed the ground, looked at the tip of his other horn and looked back at me. And I said, wait a minute, I know exactly what you mean, and I know exactly what you're thinking. I'm not sticking around here. And I jumped over the fence and got out of there because I felt like that was a hostile situation. But this says that the flesh is hostile toward God. That being hostile toward God is not a good place to be in. If you're going to have someone on your side, it needs to be God. God will not move his side or his position, but you can certainly move yours to align with God. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Why would we choose to be hostile to God? We're talking about the one that hung the stars in space, created the sun and made the planets to go around it. And he looked at this world and thought there needed to be someone just like you. So he created you and put you into this world. So why would you want to be hostile towards him? You, however, it says... For it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, now that if is a very big word. If, in fact, the spirit of Christ dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. My, that's powerful. The same one who is God, the creator, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal body and will also give you the strength as Jesus said in John 10 and 10, you may have life and have life more abundantly this spirit led life is an abundant life this spirit led life means that you have life with unlimited potential and unlimited things at your disposal because God can perform miracles God does perform miracles and God will perform miracles and just the fact that we are born again children of God is a miracle in itself because we did not deserve it we did not deserve to be saved. What we deserved was what Jesus got on the cross, the crucifixion. But God, in his mercy and in his grace, reached down to us and out to us. And it says, so then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. We are debtors. We owe him. I used to love that chorus. He paid a debt he did not owe, and I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash 
my sins away. We owe Christ everything. But he gives it all to us freely. And then we serve him out of gratitude. It says, but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Galatians 5.24 says, we crucify the flesh. Now we've already referred to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now we, living in the spirit, walking in the spirit, being led by the spirit, have got to crucify the flesh and the works of the flesh in our life if we want to be pleasing to God. How do we crucify the flesh? We ignore it. We don't let it govern us. We rebuke it. Sometimes the Lord rebukes and chastises us because of our fleshly actions. He goes on to say, But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Isn't that wonderful? When we are led by the Spirit of God, we are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons. We are the children of God because the Spirit of God draws us. Now, when we go on into this, we understand that God adopts us into his family. And by being adopted, you become part of that family. I've had the privilege of being adopted. I've also had the privilege of adopting. And when you adopt... It's a spirit of adoption that dwells within you and it's strong and it's true and it's powered by love. So that spirit of adoption that my father gave to me and that I try to give to those that I've adopted is powerful. But it's not as powerful or as strong as the love that God gives to us because he looked upon us, saw that we were hopeless and hopelessly lost in sin, but God in His mercy, in His grace, and in His virtue adopted us that we could be part of the beloved. And He says, By whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Isn't it great to be a child of God? That we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now that's the introduction. Now since the timer's not working in the back, I guess I have unlimited time. So y'all bear with me, because I've got a lot of things I want to share with you. Number one. When you are walking and living in the Spirit, human nature will not have any place in the kingdom of God. If you're a note taker, you ought to write that down. Human nature will not have any place in the kingdom of God. 
A lot of times we blame our sin on, well, that's just the way I am. I lose my temper. I, I want something that I don't need. I desire something that I don't or shouldn't partake of. And so we say, well, that's just the way I am. Or maybe we just lose our temper and go off on somebody and in no way show the love of God that dwells within us. Human nature will not have any place in the kingdom of God. We will all wrestle with it as long as we're breathing. Somebody say that's right. We will all wrestle with human nature as long as we're breathing. But saying that's just the way I am is not an excuse. I took my kids to school one day and we were late because of a flat tire. And as I drove into the school, it had all kinds of words out there, honesty, integrity, and these were virtues that they were trying to instill into the kids in high school. And they, they said all of these things, and I walk in, and I tell them I'm here to sign my kids in. They're late, and I'm sorry we're late, but here we are. And they said, well, why were they late? I said, well, we had a flat tire. And they said, well, sir, I'm sorry. That's an inexcusable absence. That's an inexcusable tardiness. I said, why is that? And they said, well, that's because we, the county, provide buses for them to ride to school on. If they would have ridden buses, they would have been here on time. I said, that's true, but you're constantly trying to hire bus drivers because you can't get enough of them. And she said, well, sir, if you'll just say they were sick is why they were late, we'll forgive that. And they won't have to have detention because of their tardiness for the flat tire. I said, I'm not going to do that. They said, why not? I said, because it's a lie. And when I come in, I saw all these signs out front, honesty, integrity, truth, and all the things that we're trying to instill in the kids. But you're telling me right here, standing in front of my children, that you want me to lie and tell you they were sick, and I will not do it. They said, maybe I should call an administrator. I said, that'd be a good place to start. I met with the administrator pled my case to him, and they didn't have to serve detention because I had a flat tire. The thing is, the world wants you to let your standards go. The world wants you to let your ideals with God go. But God wants you to hold the standard and hold the standard high. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, the Word of God tells us, let me turn there real quick. It's worth reading word for word. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that certainly hasn't changed since that day. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is man he's talking about. He said, continually your thoughts and intentions are evil. That's why human nature has no place in the kingdom of God. So let's begin to talk about this. Let's talk about the new birth and the new nature that comes when we give ourselves and find ourselves in Christ and become a new creature. 
John 6, says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in that last day. How does the Father draw? He draws by using the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit ministers to you. The Holy Spirit guides you. And if you are a child of God today, it's because the Holy Spirit revealed to you that you had a need in your life for God. And that's the reason because God used the Holy Spirit to draw you in. John 3.16, we all know that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And God used that Holy Spirit to draw us in and to bring us out of condemnation like it says there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus Nicodemus said how can a man be born again how can I enter again into my mother's womb he said in verse 6 of John 3 he said that which is born of the flesh is flesh but that which is born of the spirit is spirit God knew we needed help so he sent his Holy Spirit. He also knew, like we read in Genesis, that man was evil. And the thoughts and intents of his heart were evil and he needed help in that. In Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. God said, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. No longer a stone heart, but a heart of flesh. This is not the flesh that we're talking about crucifying. This is a God-given heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life at the new birth, you will find that he wants you to obey the laws of God. And as we begin to walk, it's just like children. That's why I said we must be born again. Children don't uh, come into this world when they're born being able to walk, run, climb, and jump. It takes a while, and it's the same way with a child of God. We have to put away the old nature and take on the new nature. When that baby was in the womb, he didn't have to worry about where his food was coming from or her food was coming from. It was supplied to them. But my friend, God created a mechanism in a baby that they can cry out, and the mama that hears that voice will know that that baby is hungry and will supply that need. And it's the same way with God. When we are young in the Spirit and we're walking with Him, my friend, when we cry out to God, He knows our cry and He will answer it and He will feed us and nurture us. And sometimes we get dirty and need to be changed. Somebody say amen. amen. Sometimes we need a little special attention. But God is able John Piper describes the new birth as this. The new birth is the Holy Spirit taking up residence in us and being that living, governing principle of life that which is begotten of the Spirit has the nature of the Spirit and is permeated by the Spirit, is animated by the Spirit, and is motivated by the Spirit. 
When the Spirit of God lives within us, that is what provides us strength and power. The Word of God says you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that power is given so you have power to live in this cruel, sinful world that we live in. And God will give you that power to guide you through this life. Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul says this, and I want to point this out. Walking and living in the Spirit is important. It is referred to in almost every book in the New Testament. And the only reason it's not in some of those others is because they were too short. That's all right. And it's even recorded in the Old Testament numerous times. And we need to walk and live by the Holy Spirit of God. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. That sounds like a battle to me. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, when he says to keep you from doing the things you want to do, he's talking about the spiritually led things that you want to do. That is what he's, the Spirit of God living in you is trying to keep you from doing. The natural things, the natural things is what we have to keep from doing. The flesh is worldly and carnal desires. We all have them. I heard Bishop T.D. Jakes preaching one time and he said, the way to avoid sin is to remember, never do anything when you're too hungry, too angry, too lonely, or too tired. And if you take one of those what do you call them where you take just the first letter of each word and you make the thing? A what? Acronym. Thank you. You can take an acronym and it says HALT. H-A-L-T. When you're too hungry, angry, or lonely, or tired, don't put yourself in those situations. Correct it. Fix it. Some of us get hangry. And we say things we shouldn't say. Some of us get angry. And we do say things we shouldn't say. And God help us when we get lonely. Because we make decisions we shouldn't make. And when we're too tired. When we're tired, our resistance is low. And we fail so many times. Because we do not rest. God tells us that rest is important. He made all this in six days. And on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. He rested. So it's important that we also get rest. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Boy, that's good. Any of y'all been dancers? Now, come on. I know there's some dancers in here. I used to love to dance. Keeping in step sometimes was a problem. Sometimes I'd step on my wife's toes. She was good. I was just trying to learn. And sometimes that's what we have to do with the Spirit of God. 
learn to keep in step with him. Do you know how you learn the beat and the rhythm of the spiritual music to keep in step with him? It's right here written in the word of God. And you can learn what he will do by obeying the word of God. And the more you do something, the better you are at it. The more you dance with the spirit, the better you are at keeping time with him. And he said, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. You can't keep in step with the Spirit by seeing how much you can get by with. That'll throw you out of rhythm every time. And that's no good and that's no fun. But when the Spirit lives within you, He will have a spiritual appetite. Let's talk just a minute about this flesh that we wrestle with. The flesh is not skin. This right here, yeah, we call it flesh, but it's not the flesh that the Apostle Paul was talking about in Romans. It's the old, ordinary human nature that doesn't relish or honor the things of God. The flesh gets satisfaction from independence from God and into worldly pleasure. That's what satisfies the flesh. Kind of reminds me when we find ourselves as they, they use the term carnal Christians. I really don't think that's a good, that's more of an oxymoron. But we see people that they want all the benefits of God, but they don't want to be accountable to God. When you are spirit-filled and spirit-led and walking in the spirit, you want to be in tune with God. You want... The benefits of God, but you also step up to your responsibilities in God. I call them spiritual teenagers. You know, y'all remember being teenagers. You want all the benefits of the roof over your head and the food on the table and the gas in the car, and the clothes to wear. But I don't need mom and dad around anymore. Think about it. We want all the benefits without the responsibility. I'm sorry, ma'am. <laughs> Romans 7, 18, Paul addresses what's really going on in the flesh. Romans 7, 18 and through 20. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. That is what we need to crucify. That is what we need to put under our feet and more than anything under the blood of Christ. Living and walking in the spirit happens when your godly desires are stronger than the desires produced by our carnal heart. All of our desires and wants and preferences that are good come from the spirit all of those other ones come from the flesh. I need more spiritual desires. 
So I try to stay more open to the Spirit. I talk to Him a lot. I thank God for that. And you know, the Word of God talks about, and it refers to the Holy Spirit as a paraclete, our advocate and our comforter, our friend. A very dear friend of mine, Bob Bailey, he, he just referred to him as Cleet. I was talking to Cleet this morning. And you should have a relationship with the Holy Spirit like that. Talk to him. Tell him good morning. Tell him good night and thank you for keeping you through the day. Thank you for waking you up every morning. But allow him to move in your life. We know that we have the spirit of the flesh and we have the spirit of of God. Now, there's an old Native American parable that talks about two wolves. There was an old Cherokee grandfather sitting with his grandson, and he was explaining to him the troubles of growing up, you know. I've got a little granddaughter. She's nine years old, and she wants to be grown so bad. She wants to be all the way grown up. Most of the time when she comes out to feed with me, she'll grab her mother's boots because they're bigger and they make her feel bigger. She wants to do all those things that adults do. But the old Cherokee grandfather set his grandson down one day and he was telling him about this battle that goes on inside of people. He said, it's like there's two wolves living inside of us. One wolf is evil. It is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. And the little lad said, what about the other one? He said, son, the other one is good. It is love, joy, peace. Hope, sincerity, serenity, humility, integrity, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, forgiveness, truth, and compassion, and faith. The grandson sat there and thought for a moment about the two wolves. And he said, but grandfather, which wolf wins this battle? And the grandfather looked at him and said, son, Whichever one you feed, it's the same way in your life. You have a battle going on between the flesh and the spirit that lives within you. And the one that you feed is the one that's going to be victorious. It's the one that's going to survive. It's the one that's going to win. And it, if the spirit of God wins, then you win. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Paul said again in Galatians 3, Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit are you now perfected by the flesh? If the Spirit of God that drew you to the cross is living within you, why would you want to go back 
to the carnal things. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Eternal life. That's why we're here this morning. We are all here this morning because we all want more of God. And that's what he wants to give to us. And in that, eternal life. Back to Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Paul says, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Don't we need that in the time of weakness? God said his strength is made perfect in weakness. Well, boy, he's having a heyday in me then. Because there are so many areas in my life that are weak. But God is strong. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Isn't it great to know that when we don't know how to pray, and everyone in here, I'm sure at some time in your life, you didn't know how to pray to get out of a situation you were in, but the Spirit did, and sometimes we just groan. Sometimes we just get down and pour our heart out to him. Sometimes we just weep before him. Sometimes we pray in the spirit and allow his spirit to intercede for us because the paraclete is the advocate. He said, and he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When we get to aching on the inside and we pour our heart out to God the spirit intercedes according to the will of God now that old prophet Garth Brooks wrote a song unanswered prayers and sometimes our unanswered prayers are just as important as our answered prayers in the song he tells about the fact that he was sweet on this girl and he wanted to marry her and he ended up seeing her at a local football game and was glad that God didn't give her to him but gave him the one that he had for him all along. The Holy Spirit will intercede for us. Galatians five sixteen to 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desire of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, but to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. We either live under the law or under grace. I've tried both. I prefer grace. God's grace is sufficient. Isn't that what he told Paul? Isn't it neat that he told Paul who had a thorn in the flesh, and I think it's also pretty sharp that God didn't tell us what that thorn was because whatever our thorn is, and we all have thorns, God will see us through it because his grace is sufficient. Ephesians 5.18 And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He's referring 
to the Holy Spirit that filled the people on the day of Pentecost. And on that day, they were doing things that they didn't understand. The people were hearing people speak in their own language that they had never heard that from before. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will use you when you are filled with him to help others find Christ. So allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you. And yes, there's going to be times that God wants to speak to you and God wants to speak through you to reach someone else. Isn't it wonderful that God uses sinners like us to enlarge his kingdom? I love the story of the woman at the well. Jesus went by there and he's sitting there by himself being the ninth hour, the noonday. Sorry, sixth hour, the noonday. And as he sat there, a woman came up to draw water. And he begins to talk with her and said, give me a drink. And she said, why are you even here? You don't even have anything to draw water out of the well from. And he said, if you give me a drink, it'll quench my thirst. But if you drink the water that I give, you'll never thirst again. She said, how can this be? He said, well, why don't you go get your husband and let's talk about this. Now I'm paraphrasing this, okay? She said, I don't have a husband. He said, the thing you say is true because you've had five husbands. And the man you're with now is not your own. And he began to tell her all about her life. She went to town and started telling people, come see a man. She was at the well on the sixth hour because she was an outcast from society and did not want to confront the others. But this same woman who just met Jesus went back into town and started telling the same people that shunned her, come see a man who told me all about me. And by doing so, others came to Jesus. It doesn't matter what your past is, when the Holy Spirit comes in, he washes away the sin, he forgives you, and writes your name in the Lamb's book of life, and he will use you to bring others to Jesus. So allow him to. If he'll use a woman at the well, he'll use me and he'll use you to get others to Christ. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. I want to point out works of the flesh. Works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Oh my. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies. That's the works of the flesh. And things like these, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Human nature has no place in the kingdom. Notice that he called them works of the flesh. Works are something we have to do and have to perform. But then he refers to the fruit of the spirit. Fruit grows. You don't have to tell a peach tree. We live in Georgia. You don't have to tell a peach tree to grow peaches. A peach tree is planted in the ground. And the moisture comes in through the roots. Comes into the trunk of the tree. And up out into the branches. And the peaches appear. 
It's the same way in your life in Christ Jesus in the Spirit. When you are planted and rooted in God, the Word of God and the lives of God, the life of God and the Holy Spirit comes up into you and will begin to bear fruit. And the Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, fruit, not works, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance against such there is no law when a peach tree produces peaches year after year my friend do you not think that God that made the peach tree can cause you to produce spiritual fruit in your life because he lives in you he dwells in you he chose you before the foundations of the world he called you out and he wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life and filled you with the spirit because he wants you to produce fruit I get excited and lose my place but the fruit of the spirit when we allow those things to work in our life 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says this very simply do not quench the spirit the spirit doesn't come to you without reason the spirit is within you and rises up in you for a reason so do not quench the spirit galatians 6 8 says for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption but the one who sows from the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life when we allow the spirit to work through us eternal life is the reward now that's my movie trailer for Romans 8 but now let's talk just for a moment about the application the first thing we need to know is we need to acknowledge that apart from God we're not capable of doing good just like Paul said in Romans 7, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. I like what Martin Luther said. When I look at me, I see no way that I should be saved. But when I look at Christ, I see no way that I could be lost. Isn't that marvelous? In the Spirit. The second thing we do in the application is we pray to God for the new heart that he talked about in Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 and pray for the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in your life. The third point of application is give yourself completely to God. You know, we all have closets in our house and when people come over, we make sure all the closet doors are shut because we don't keep them quite like they ought to be. The house we formerly lived in, everyone come in through the garage, through the laundry room, into the kitchen. The front door was inconvenient. The back door was only used to get in and out on the patio. My wife didn't like that house. That meant I had to keep my mess out of the garage, out of the laundry room, and keep it neat. The thing is, she didn't want to just do that when company come over. She wanted that all the time. Can you imagine? 
So we give ourselves completely to God. So that when he wants to use us, we are ready. Give yourselves completely to God, like he says in the verse. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to Christ. Now, I think Paul was a southerner because he used that word reckon a few times. We need to reckon ourselves dead to sin. And that's not a bad place to start. Because he said that he washes our sin away. About 30 years ago, I had the privilege of preaching at a place. And a lady came up and told me, she said, I've recently been baptized. And they told me that when I get baptized, it's as though the water washes away my sin as an, as an act of living in Christ. It's, I said, that's very true. When we go down, it's like burying the old man and coming up the new man. She said, but when I was baptized, when I come up out of the baptistry, I turned around and looked because I wanted to see my sins in that water. She said, but there was nothing there to be seen. And that's the way it is when you're in Christ. There's nothing there to be seen. He said he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. That's a long way. You can head out of here and you can go east toward the coast and you can go all the way to the coast and you'll never find west. But you can go out of here and you can turn left and you can go west all the way to California to the coast. And you'll never find east looking that way. You can go on through Asia, come back through Europe, and end up back on the Atlantic coast, and you'll constantly be going west. Your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that drew you, the Holy Spirit that called you, the Holy Spirit that guides you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are thankful for your spirit that leads, guides, directs, enables, and encourages us. Father, help us to lean heavy upon your spirit. For we know, dear God, that you give us this advocate, this paraclete, to guide us. Help us, O oh Lord, to be used of you. Help us, O oh God, to follow close and to follow hard after you. And Lord Jesus... May we find our peace with you and may we lead others to you to enlarge the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen.